Hi, welcome to the Empty Hand Podcast. This is your host, Seiji Saiki. I'm really excited to share this conversation with my good friend, Ipe Kamai. We met at the Hombu Dojo. He's an awesome guy. We even did our sanan together, so that was quite fun. I really enjoyed sharing and recollecting some of the stories that we had together in Japan. And if you visit the Hombu Dojo, most likely you're going to see him. So without further ado, here it is. You know what? Before going um, on, on the record, or uh, if you could We're go the off the record. <laughs> <laughs> I can cut this part out, though. I can cut okay. this part totally out. All right. I just wanted to ask you one, confirm one thing, because one of the best episodes that I hear from Mark about you, and I didn't see this in person, Yeah, yeah. is the one with Beep. And I always wanted to ask you about that. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is definitely going to be cut out. <laughs> All right. Yeah, what about it? Which one? So one day, beep. seemed like he came up to you and, you know, he was not happy with how you kick or something um, on Unsu. Oh. And he was trying to somehow, I don't know why, but he was trying to teach you how to do Marshigiri. <laughs> well... <laughs> In hindsight, he was trying to help. Okay. And I think it's it's one of those things that probably right now I would look at it differently or mm. I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't bother me really. But mm. back then, you know, obviously when you're doing instructor's training, it's it's a very intensive environment. Mm. And and you're, you feel yeah. like a, a very... Um, your your fuse is a, it's a lot shorter. Mm. So it was one of those things that it's like, it was a very simple thing. He was telling me your kick is weak. <laughs> so you think mm. it's weak? Well, here's my kick. Mm. It was it was one of those things, you know. But <laughs> what was yeah. more interesting is he was um, talking again, going back to you and said, "You have a bad control." <laughs> Oh, yeah. (laughs) What do you expect? You're insulting someone. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel bad about it, actually. Well, I I can understand. I mean, thinking back from now, I can relate relate to how you feel. But but, I don't know. Beep. It has that tendency for everyone, though. Yeah. See, this is the delicate issue of teaching, right? You have to be acknowledged or respected to be able to teach. Otherwise, yeah. people won't listen. Yeah. And beep. Obviously, it's not respected in that way from yeah. many. Yeah. And he doesn't recognize. I don't know. It's it's, it's interesting uh, of some people, um, those especially who are not respected, tend to be so interested in imposing something to others, especially lower belts. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure without naming any names, I'm sure right now, even at the Hombu, whenever you get guests coming in to visit, they some of them are, are taking a coaching role, right? Even right. though they're visitors, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that happens. And um, it's, it's, it's really a lesson I, I take when I look at it objectively mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for myself. To be careful not to be, I mean, 
I, I, I don't think I am, but <laughs> at the same time, I've tried to be careful. Yeah. How I would look, you know, look to others when I speak and when I try to approach, even with the good, good intent that I have. Yeah. It could be interpreted in different ways. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because like right now, obviously I'm, I'm teaching a lot. Right. But mm. I miss, I miss the, the days. Well, I don't, I miss them, but I mean, it would be nice to just focus on myself once in a while too. Right. So if you're in a position where you go to the dojo and all you get to do is work on yourself, that's a huge, huge mm-hmm. gift. Mm. And and I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to take advantage of that situation. It's it's just it's a blessing, really. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I was hoping to talk about today. I mean, uh, for train as as a training, I consider it's the communication whether there's someone in physically in front of you or not. It's a communication with yourself and with the teachers that you had past conversation or whatever right um so even if you're alone you're not alone you see what i'm saying yeah is how i take definitely there is yeah yeah 100 percent. there's a community feel for it and i think that that's one of the holistic benefits of of doing karate in the first place right because mm. uh, especially during today's pandemic i mean it's easy to feel isolated mm and not a part of that community. Right. But speaking, talking again about dojo stories, I, did you hear the one? There was this guy who had the, who looked like Steven Seagal. Uh-uh. <laughs> haven't heard about that. <laughs> you gotta tell me. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm practicing at the end of class with Mark okay. a little bit. Yeah. And then this guy comes up and he says, um, I want you to try to punch me in the stomach as hard as you can. Wow. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> where's this going to go? So obviously... So where is this guy originally from? I mean, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. About a visitor, right? <clears throat> it was a visitor, yeah, of course. <laughs> and he asked me to punch him as hard as he can in the stomach. And have you seen those uh, Asai Sensei videos where he jumps around the, the person when the, the attack is an oizuki? Like Asai Sensei is known for uh, this this technique he does where he jumps around his opponent when they attack them, mm. right? So they and takes the behind. Yeah, takes the, the back. Brain. Yeah, takes the back. Yeah, yeah exactly. Jumps <clears throat> jumps around the opponent, takes the back, and then takes them down. Right. So obviously, I, I just I punch really lightly because I, you know, don't want to hit the guy. <laughs> so he does this move. He jumps around and does this like <laughs> Asai Sensei move or an attempt of it. And he says, no, he's shaking his head. I, I wish I could do the, the body gestures. He's kind of like shaking his head. He's like, no, stronger, stronger punch. <laughs> so he's not that aside. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, he's got the, um, he's got the, um, um, the Japanese voice. Right. And, so I punched him as hard as I can and he just folded in half and he's like, oh, os, os. <laughs> he didn't oh. jump that time? No, he didn't jump that time. <laughs> <laughs> or 
I was another thing. It was the same guy. I was I was showing a a takedown move to Mark. Okay. I was showing okay. him a move, and he's like, "I want you to try that move on me," because mm-hmm. I don't think it'll work. <laughs> The same guy or different guy? Yeah, it's the same guy. <laughs> and I go, oh, oh my God. Okay. Well, here's the move. Okay. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> Boom. Slam on the ground. And he's like, again, os. Os. Good move. Os. <laughs> I don't know. He's finding something, something else. There. Yeah. He wants to be taken down. I don't know. It's a glutton for punishment. <laughs> has, oh, yeah. has there been any um major breach of etiquette that you recall from some random guests coming into the home booth? oh yeah the best one i've seen is the guy from new york <laughs> <laughs> the guy from new york <laughs> right. right so what did he do so he was weird from the beginning because if you're from New York, I know people from New York, right? JK, especially yeah. um, if you're affiliated to there or if you know Mori Sensei, he was like, when I ask questions of that sort, he was like, no, who's Mori Sensei? So I was like, is he? <laughs> you're not even from, are you really from New York? <laughs> oh, I think so, I know who you're talking about. From uh, you do okay, so <laughs> that's the guy. <laughs> that's the guy with the record, right? Re- record, like a child molesting record. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mark found out about it later, and yeah, this this guy. Yeah, so Probably he was registered him. as the Hombu member, right? When he came, yeah. even as a vis- visitor, he 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 registered himself. Um, <laughs> So I had to translate all the things and talk to the senses there. And do you really want to register a child molester who's being indicted, right? Yeah. Um, so he, he, he's, I think he's off the, the registration. <laughs> 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 but yeah, you never know what, what comes. But he was, he was, um, he was uh, being corrected by Shimizu Sensei the other day. Right. And, yeah. and she means it was kind enough to really touch him and, you know, adjust his posture and everything and the angle of his, his fist and whatnot. And he was, sensei was being the target for him, but the guy kept on punching him physically. Oh my God. So she sensei was telling him, don't punch, don't punch. But he, he's not listening. And he kept on watching. <laughs> and I could see from the side the frustration level of the sensei was going off. <laughs> that it might erupt in a second. Yeah. So. He's not the guy that you want to piss off. That's for sure. Right. So yeah. At that time, interestingly, Shimizu Sensei held up. So. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's also things like cleaning the floor yeah right like typically that's what as a member right that you guys do that every at the end of every class right now now the system has changed to it's it's been modernized if you will oh so 
traditionally, as you know, we've used uh, the the rag, right? The, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the wet rag as we squeeze it. At the Honda Dojo, we use dry ones, but mm-hmm. in Boston, we used to, you know, dip them in a bucket, water bucket, and then squeeze it and go over the dojo floor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But because of the COVID, COVID-19, um, Hombu applied the bloom-like stick where you use the alcohol to wet the, oh. um, the cloth around the bloom. <laughs> so you can stand and sweep the floor. <laughs> oh, so you don't have to bend down anymore. No, you don't anymore. <laughs> so the dojo has has you know finally been modernized. Wow. So they have a bunch of sticks lying around? Yeah. It's like we have like six, seven of them. Oh. <laughs> and two others are holding this like a spray gun. Oh really? (laughs) (laughs) So that's the new system that's been introduced at the dojo recently. So that's the latest uh, evolution in traditional karate. Is karate? uh, (laughs) No more rag. No more rag running across the floor. (laughs) Exactly. Ending up with a with a beautiful mop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's it like in Japan, though? Like, how do people see the COVID situation? Well, I mean, unlike the, well, unlike, and people are very scared, I guess. Uh, Personally, I'm not, but Mm -hmm. I can feel the fear um, being shared around the community. Um, But unlike Europe or or the US or UK or Canada, um, there has been no lockdown in Japan, as you know. Mm -hmm. There has been a request from the government. Um, to stay home for a certain period of time or for example restaurants to be you know um, finished earlier mm-hmm. or be closed for you know duration of time but that's just a request mm-hmm. uh, I think um, don't quote me on this but um, I think legally speaking, <laughs> um, there's no legal background for, for Japanese government to order people to stay home. Really? Yeah. They can only request to stay home. So, so in other words, there's no penalty behind it. Mm. And there's no uh, way for the government to enforce the penalty either. Why do you think like a country such as Canada where for us you have to pay a fine if you if you cross the line like where does that basis come from in japan where there is no fine that that's interesting that 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 it's set up that way mm. i don't ask me that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah, have to yeah. ask your own government for that <laughs> yeah that's a good point i'm just saying but like maybe that's the better strategy right if people feel general, like they have a choice well, the uh, one argument uh, that's that that we're facing in, in Tokyo or in Japan in general at the moment is how do how you subsidize subsidize if you once you order, order a restaurant or shop to close down and you expect a penalty. The other side is you have to have the the subsidy to because of the 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 governmental order you can't do a reg you can't engage in the regular you know 
activities, right? Mm-hmm. So normally people start to think, then sure, we'll <clears throat> follow your order, but give me subsidy is the basic idea. And yeah, wow, because like for us, yeah, it's not basically. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> basically, the government is does not have enough budget to to say that, and that's one of the reason uh, Japan Japanese government is holding up the. To, to call for a state of emergency once again. They've done it once, and they had to pay um, $1,000 worth amount to every single citizen in Japan, including the foreigners. Wow. <clears throat> Travel and time. And I don't think, and they don't have enough money to do it once again, if they were to do it. It's a it's an interesting difference in mentality, because I, I know also in Japan, People don't usually use a credit card, do they? Um, things are changing right now, though. Are they? Yeah. Mm. Um, they're going more on a cell phone money, um, mobile phone, you know, payment. Oh. Um, as the government is trying to promote that as well. Interesting. So uh, it, it wasn't like this uh, a year before, a year before, but it's more so recently. Is that right? Yeah. I, especially um, though, mind you though, in terms of the mentality on spending money though, because generally from my experience being there, and, and like you said, things have changed, right? But I mean, from my experience, people don't usually spend money that they don't have. That's because uh, it was based on cash. Mm. And that's been the culture. I mean, that's true still, I think. People pay less or try to spend less yeah. um, because of that culture um, and still is even with the prevalence of mobile payment. But mm. things are gradually changing, I think. Oh, that's not good. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I worked in the bank for for a year. Mm-hmm. And I had some clients who thought that their the their credit limit was money that they that was given to them, mm. and it's like no, you, you got to pay that back. It's not it's not credit where it's it's not a, a gift card here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sure I'm sure a lot of Canadians are not like that either. But hopefully. oh no, yeah, oh no, definitely <laughs> not. But consumer debt here is pretty high. I think yeah, it's on average about twenty thousand. Per person on average i mean yeah. mentality would gradually change too you're right i mean if if it gets easier people start to spend more i guess mm-hmm. but what, what about in the dojos like how are they handling it are they doing okay in japan oh in terms of covid you, you yeah mean? are they still because in ontario you know 50 percent of the, the dojos are closed for good Oh wow! Apparently, so I heard. So it's I'm not sure about here. Mm. I mean, including the state of emergency, when headquarter dojo was closed, um, it was only from um, March first to June eighth. So okay. it was really uh, March, April, May that they had to close it down. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it's that's true for any dojo in Japan in general. Mm-hmm. So most dojos reopened after June, um, despite the limitations that mm. they face. But so, as I said, Japan didn't have to face the lockdown, 
Um, on top of that, the state of emergency was relatively short. So mm. they were able to go back to regular life, if you will. Mm. Um, so personally, I was completely alone in terms of training uh, only through uh, March, April, and May, mm-hmm. Three, mm-hmm. those three months. Have you ever had like a, like a, a, a thought that you want to just take a break? Or, or, I mean, what kept you going? What kept your training going um, when you were alone? Well, in terms of karate training, to be honest, those three months, I only ran and did a little bit of self-training mm-hmm. during the closure of the headquarter dojo, partly because I had to work on my PhD thesis. Mm. So it wasn't a bad timing for me to be alone <laughs> and stay home. <laughs> it was exactly what I needed <laughs> anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be secluded and alone and, and wow. just sit on the table and keep on, you know, punching the keyboard yeah. rather than Makiwara. So <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have calluses on your fingers, right? Now after right. writing that thesis paper. <laughs> right, rather than knuckles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could be the first, you know, yeah. with the, the finger calluses. Right. So you published it now, right? It's, it's complete. Yes, it's complete. And um, oh, congratulations. The defense is yet to come on December 3rd. Just punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> if anything goes wrong, then I won't. Yeah. Punching him in the face is the worst idea you could have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it goes through and um, I'll yeah. be done by uh, the end of March. Oh, well. As well. the school year uh, ends there, as you know. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a weird time. Yes. And so what's new at the uh, at the dojo is we're not going to have any nokai the oh. end of the uh, event. Oh. No special training for the end of the year, no party for that oh. matter. Do people still it's, go out though in general? I don't know. Um for particular you know how how the system goes on different Mm -hmm. days different instructors so depending on that instructor at the end of the day we might get together and have a little bit of a of a party but that's it how how, so what is a a nokai for those who who don't know what it is how nokai is a biggest event in the uh, at the end of the year we all get together to celebrate you know uh, the end, basically, of how much we attained and yeah. how much we're going to refresh ourselves and, and do, you know, more next year. <laughs> yeah. Basically. So to, it, it's really, I don't know, it's part of the Japanese culture, I guess, um, mm. to celebrate some certain, you know, <clears throat> moments in, in, in a year. Mm by really uh, refreshing it and doing it better or even more um, afterwards. What is throughout the year, like what is your favorite time when it comes to like that cycle of training? Like what event or, or time do you like? Well, obviously the no kai is the biggest. 
and okay. and okay. and also Kangeko at the at mm-hmm. the beginning of the year mm-hmm. <clears throat> when you start a year. Um, uh, everything begins in the plan of the uh, the beginning of the year is how Japanese capture it. So, mm-hmm. well, speaking of the Kangeko, that's in February or uh, January at the at the end of January usually. And I think okay. for Kangeko, this is unofficial. Yeah, I think, but they're not they're not planning on holding it this year either. Oh, I think it's going to be the first in many years. Oh no. Yeah, well, oh. I mean, that's been a big event for some of the foreigners as well. Yeah. Coming there every year. Yeah. But Japan as a country hasn't opened a border yet, so yeah, it's going to be nearly impossible for anyone to join. Yeah, man. They even stopped uh, sending parcels because like, we had a, an order oh, really? through uh, Shobu uh Dogi manufacturing, and then they said that EMS is not ex- expediting parcels, and we're like, "Wow, we need those belts before Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta give them something positive wow. for this year." It's like that's, freaking EMS. That's sad. Yeah, it is. But I mean, that's why I was ask. I want to ask you, like, if anybody wanted to go to Japan for a week of training, mm. when and where would be the best time? Because I mean, if you I mean, have Nokai, Nokai might be more towards those who are there throughout the year because you're kind of celebrating your effort. But if you're a visitor, you you may not be. I don't know. It's it's the context might be bad. I don't know. Well, some visitors, as you know, choose to come during the camp season, mm-hmm. like uh, mid April, or they hold uh, JK holds headquarter holds twice a, a year mm-hmm. um, at the camp. Um, one in mid-April, the other in mid-October, I guess. Mm-hmm. So a lot of um, people come there during that time. Do you think that's the best time to go, though? Uh, week of training? I dis- well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll say it's a great play- It's a great time to go. Yes. However... There are However, other great times to go. Right. <laughs> I mean, you have to be economically, um, what's the right word? Economically. Um, supported by the, a lot of people are supported by their own national bodies though, because the, okay. the camp is a good networking opportunity to meet people from all over the world. Uh, and most, mostly are the instructors are the ones that, are, that go to those events, right? And they have a, a Dan exam and a qualification exam. So I guess it depends on your purpose, right? But if you're if you're there just for a week of training, nothing else, just training and experience, I think that there's a lot different time when you could come. Yes. Yeah. I would. Re- I the the. I mean, I would go with. I, I guess first of all, I would eliminate. Anytime after June to September. (laughs) (laughs) And you know the reason why. It's the most humid time of the year. Yeah. It's not too bad of the temp. Speaking of temperature, it's not too bad. But humidity just makes it worse. Yeah. Oh, it's it's, tough for you. Yeah. And it just makes it physically challenging. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, it's if you want to die, like go go to Japan in the summer. 
Yeah. On top of it, you want to, yeah, you're training full time. Then it's just, yeah. it's going to kill you. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it's, it's a tough question. If I were to recommend someone to train for a week in Japan and when and where, because it entirely depends on what your goals are. Mm. I mean, if you, it, yeah, if you're into competition, yeah. you're way better off going to university to train at a university. If you, if you want to do a DAN exam, qualification exam, you, you should go during the camps. And if you or want to not ne- necessarily during the camps, but you can also pick the date when headquarters is offering a DAN, a DAN exam for oh. outsiders. Oh, is that right? A lot yeah, of people well, do that. Once, once in three months, they, I think they offer DAN exam. Is that right? Oh. Yeah. So. Oh, I guess right now, because of travel, people can't really go though, right? Right from outside of Japan, you can't. But oh, I'm, I'm speaking of outside of COVID. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's a good. I recommend anybody who wants to go for sundown and above, mm. they should do it in Japan. Mm. Why not? And right? headquarters is totally open for any visitors taking in Japan. If you have affiliation, if you can prove the JKA affiliation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's one, you know, way to really schedule your your yeah. plan your schedule, I guess. Honestly, like if I were if I were to have some type of policy, I w- I would I would even say if you want to go for sandan and above or yondan and above, that it's, it should be almost mandatory to go to Japan for it. Mm. it. That I I would go as far as saying that, but I mean that's not a popular. <laughs> that's probably not a popular uh, idea plus i mean money wise if you pay a certain amount you get to train four times a day so unlike camp where you have to pay i mean i shouldn't say this but <laughs> every slot that they offer you have to pay for during the camp but then mm. um during the regular days you just pay for a day and you get to train four times a day from morning to the, to the night. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's one way of looking at it, I guess. But it's funny though, cause I, if I were to send anybody from my dojo mm-hmm. to Japan for a week, for whatever reason, I don't know if I would send them to the Hombu because Why I, that? because I, I think, well, of course, I don't want to discourage people from going because I think you should go, mm. but there's a lot of amazing local dojos out there mm-hmm. that, you know, you can gain so much inspiration from, from them. Sure. And, and there's of a bunch yeah. of them, a bunch of local dojos. I can name them, but I mean, I don't want to, you know, forget any, anyone in particular, but I mean, do do you train outside of the Hombu Dojo or do you do you go to some local dojos as well? <laughs> yeah, this is one of the interesting things. Uh I as I was listening to conversation with you and Mark, um, I totally agreed on it. Is as a member of headquarter dojo, you have to really be careful of training outside. Mm. Because that could be offensive in, in certain ways. Mm-hmm. So even among the headquarter instructors, dojos, you can't freely go unless there is some reasons. Mm, I see. 
Mm-hmm. Like I've I've gone to Hirayama Sensei's dojo's training, her mm-hmm. particular dojo. Mm-hmm. But I had a friend from Germany who wanted to go, so I went there as an interpreter and a guide to take them. Mm-hmm. So that gives you a, a reason to get there. But myself going there alone without any particular reason would raise some people's bra- eyebrows, if you will, mm. if I don't be careful. See what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I, I just feel like uh, I get why people feel they want to. Uh, this, it, this sense of tribalism in a way where you, this is my guy or, or whatever. I, I, I get those sentiments and I'm not, I don't want to say anything bad about those sentiments, but have you read um, Sensei Richard Amos's book by any chance? Uh, not yet. Came out with the a recent book. book that came out, right? Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's, it's a great book. Mm. recommend people to read it how i learned to just say us chasing bushido amazing right yeah but there is a point in the book where he had to choose between training under this person or under that person Mm. but in the end of the day if you want to talk about an international organization this is a talented individual Mm. you don't want like we're not supposed to all like each other but in the end of the day, we have to have a common thread and, and, and to force people to make a choice sometimes it's, it's just, it's not right. If you want to look at it under one umbrella mm. of traditional karate, you just kind of have to give people their individual freedom. Mm. But how do you tie it all together? Like that's, that's kind of my question. How do you, how can we all be free of, Mm. of those entanglements? Because it's not fair for someone like that to like Sensei Amos, for example, having to choose, you know, between, you know, this instructor, that instructor. And then as a result, it's just an unfortunate situation in my opinion Mm. for karate. Yeah. Well, worst it it's similar to I don't know if this analogy is correct or not. It's similar to if if one organization the organization gets split. It's similar to to divorce. If a child having have to choose either mother or father. Great and yeah, that's a great example. Yeah, mm. and it's just not a fair choice for the student. Mm-hmm. You can't choose. You have love among both sides, right? Yes. It's it's not something you can choose. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can learn what's good from your mother and you can also learn something good from your father. It's always beneficial to learn from different angles is my basic stance. You know, they may be saying something similar or same, but they may be teaching it in different approach some may some part may ring your bell mm. from your uh, you know it, it really depends on the situation and who's talking and and the timing of it too so it's i think in my personal view it's important to be exposed to different you know instructors mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's 100% one of the the biggest benefits of of training at the Hombu headquarters is mm. that every morning or every evening you're getting a different instructor. Right. 
So you and are there's exposed. a downside to it as well. I mean, they don't take me wrong. Of course. Um, but at, in the end of the at the end of the day, you have to figure it. You have to figure it out yourself. If what's mm-hmm. best for you, right? Mm-hmm. And what works for for you as an individual, mm-hmm. no matter what you hear, what you are being taught. Mm-hmm. And by being exposed to different angles, you are more you become more aware of it i think Mm -hmm. but having have to choose which one is a a cruel choice i think it is 100 percent i and i'm sure that a lot of people have uh, but then again this is like it's complicated right it is it is case by case there could be different situations that arise so so going back to the family analogy even if your family is is stable you want to go outside and talk to other people right on Mm -hmm. on 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 the topics that you have in mind and you might have you might be able to realize you know maybe your parents are saying the same thing but you'll probably you could realize in in different occasions or different setup. See what I mean? Well, if yeah, because like some parents, that I, I that's a great analogy actually. Because some parents, they may not like that you're seeking information, mm. or some parents will say, "Oh, that's great, yeah, go and and get as much information as you can." Because it'll mm. make you, it'll make you more aware of 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 everything. Mm. But does that and, and do particularly in particularly in karate setting, as you know, um, the old belief has been that you stick with one sensei and be loyal to to that person, and you know, you learn just by sticking to that person. Out of you know, you learn out of that, nothing else. And if you show anything other than that, you're either betraying or fluctuating. And that really is not good for your uh, character either. It's basic, you know. Yeah. I don't know where I stand with that. It's a, it's a, it's a, I disagree. I mean, I get the, the, the philosophy of it and I respect it, Mm. but I look at it different way. I mean, as an individual, in a way, you should have the right to do whatever you want, right? Mm. To some extent. But that shouldn't have a cascade effect on what an international organization is going to do. Right? Mm. I mean, if, if, if someone's loyal to one instructor only... And that instructor values people like that, then they should have their right to do the way th- things they want to do. And if if there's an instructor that encourages people to to learn from different instructors, then they should have the right to do that as well. And and but in the end of the day, we should all be traditional karate, right? We should all just be mm-hmm. under the same umbrella. It shouldn't shouldn't mean like you know we're all going separate ways here. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I feel, but that's an oversimplification. But yeah, I agree. It, be, because by the end of the day, it's where your love is, right? Yeah. And your love is basically in karate. Yeah. And in who you deeply 
got involved and basically mutual thing, right? You know who you, who loves you yeah. and who, who you love, mm-hmm. but it gets mixed up with the loyalty issue. Yeah. Easily. And that, that makes it complicated, I guess. Yeah, it does. But you know who you are loyal to. It, it, when you when you base on when you look at things based on love, mm. but I don't know. That's my perspective, and some people can easily betray <laughs> the basic, you know, sense yeah. of love and go by the benefit. I guess mm-hmm. I don't, but some do. I, I guess the point the point that I'm trying to make is is how you perceive friendship or relationships obviously mm. is going to be different everybody's got a different parameter right and it's it's easy to be disappointed in your friends if they don't live up to what you expect them to do and and i'm sure that rolls into how instructors run their dojos and and the relationships that they have with their students right but i don't think yeah. that should have an effect on on like, how do you create a system where it doesn't have an effect on, on the organization as a whole? Like, uh, if, if we wanted to have a traditional cut at the organization that encompassed all of those individuals, like, how do those different perspectives of, of interpersonal relationships have not an effect on that? Now that you mentioned it, it's just um, one of the episodes with Mori Sensei in New York came up in my mind uh, at the moment. Okay. Yeah. So, so after coming back to Japan in 2011, mm-hmm. uh, those who learned under Mori Sensei got together in Tokyo. Yeah. Um, he came to Tokyo for some reason, Shihankai or something. So we thought it's, it'd be a nice occasion to get, just get together a reunion. So if you will, to have dinner together and chat. Mm-hmm around Mori Sensei. And during that occasion, um, I had a chance of really thanking him for being able to continue karate in Tokyo um, because Mori Sensei taught us in in Boston or New York. Mm -hmm. Um, But the response that I got from Mori Sensei was, no, it's not because of me, you know, that with that tone of Mori Sensei. saying it's because of your characteristics it's mm. because of the it is your character is a simple word but just that mm-hmm. he he only said that small thing and it was really I, it struck me you know mm-hmm. he's not taking credit i mean despite the fact that we're not important i mean i'm i'm not an important guy but you know saying it's it's not his credit, but it's it's your credit. And recognizing that as a as an instructor or teacher, mm-hmm. that's that's the moment when I thought, wow, this this man is really a great teacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not like he's not like I teach everything. I teach you. You know, I take credit for whatever I do. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you can learn from a lot of lessons from these instructors and, and you can learn important lessons from anybody really. So what, what do you consider the greatest benefit 
of karate training for you? Oh, um, benefit. Well, speaking of balance with my um, schoolwork, PhD thesis, um, let me start off by an uh, interesting episode of starting my um, PhD. Uh, my advisor, what well, my advisor first said was, welcome to the, to the world of uncertainty. <laughs> oh god so i didn't even so when i tried to start from a scratch on working on my phd thesis i didn't know left or right right so i i, I had no idea what to do mm. um but there was no one even the advisor wasn't really there to help you you know hand in hand to teach what you need to do <laughs> um so it was a it was a total struggle for many many years. So it, I've, it, it, precisely, it was the world of uncertainty. Mm. But then, at the same time, you can't live like that the whole time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you're just gonna run, you're gonna pluck out all your hairs from your head. Yeah. Um, so in that way, karate really helped me. Because especially under the JKA, the teaching methods that they have, what's, what needs to be learned, in the, especially in the beginning, is pretty clear cut, as you know, mm. um, under the same basics. Um, you have to, and, and, and fixed in rational system, right, mm. if you will starting off from how you block, how you punch, how you stand, how you kick, all those details and basics you have to, it's all set up for you and you have to understand it and learn it. Mm -hmm. It's to me, that was very, something very fresh. It's not world of uncertainty. Mm. Um, when you were talking with Ryu, the, he mentioned about shuhari, right? Mm -hmm. In Budo, shu part is pretty clear cut of what you need to learn out of what the what your instructor or the elders are trying to deliver you. Mm -hmm. And that really kept the balance inside me mm. of really trying to struggle to write my PhD thesis out of uncertainty. <laughs> but at the same mm -hmm. time, you know what need to do what you need to do. Interesting. Um, on top of that, you're sweating and working out, so it's very good for your brain at, at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. It not just refreshes you, but gives you positive mentality mm -hmm. where you need to maintain when you get into the world of uncertainty. <laughs> how, how how would you break down shuhari like shu meaning well shu meaning learning basics right trying to understand what predecessors have learned mm -hmm. and thought thought of what's really necessary may not work for everyone but in general i mean basic human physiology understanding the basic human physiology and 
you know, how you use it, there's a generalization, right? And you have to understand that generalization. So, so in other words, it's like the, the foundation. Right, exactly. The and basic re- principles. Repart is where you have to tailor it to yourself. So re is the uh, no, customization. No, no, sorry. Ha, ha, ha part is the customization to mm. yourself through the shoe part that you learned. That's my interpretation. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on this. But Yeah, no, but it's interesting because then people can look it up and then and then just get like the definition. But uh, so ha That's, is essentially. It's, it's only my interpretation if you, to be clear. But but that's the beauty of it, though, mm-hmm. because you actually just applied shuhadi, mm. because it's your interpretation of it, no? Right. So I enjoy the shu part be- so much because I was put directly into re part as writing PhD part as uh, dissertation, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know what? I am too stupid to make those parallels. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it's really something necessary in your life. Uh, yeah. When you have one thing on the other one, one end, and trying to trying to maintain your balance, mm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, um, I, yeah. So the part, my understanding is to digest the shoe shoe part, and then tailoring it to yourself. So mawashigeri, you're asked to do the snappy kick from the sideways, but in terms of sideways, what's the best angle uh, considering your, your physiology and, and your, your, your bone and your muscle structures, right? Mm, mm. I think that's the how part. Is there, is there a karate technique that you modified a little bit? No, I'm, to yourself. To be honest, I, to, to be honest I, I'm not explicitly aware of that as of yet you okay maybe okay down the road <laughs> down the yeah, road yeah, yeah you, you, you got to tell me next time I'm, we see each other you got to tell me you got to have that answer yeah at least um i'm <laughs> trying to keep up with the shoot part <laughs> see you next year <laughs> <laughs> but there's another analogy uh, of my interpretation of, of school work and 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 karate belt mm. system Mm. Um, a lot of people in general think that if you, it's like, I've been asked many times with this in, in the States as well. Do you have a black belt? <laughs> Your favorite question. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I do. But so what is my answer in my mind? But good for people you. People always often ask, right? Do you have a black belt? You know what my dad does? He just checks his belt. He yeah. says, I don't know. It's, it's brown. <laughs> he just looks down at his belt. He said, "No, it's, I have a brown belt." <laughs> I'm sure it's more close to gray or white. Yeah. Well, I mean, like he'll be wearing like regular clothes, right? So it's like a brown leather belt. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm just like looking down at his. That's uh, funny. That's so funny. Yeah, but I like your answer. <laughs> I like your answer. It's a great answer. No, I've always thought it's just a starting point to have a black belt. So. Hundred percent. When my kohai is, you know. I don't, it's not, I don't mean to be a mean guy or anything. I just say, you know, congratulations. Now you're at the starting point. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a lot of dojo instructors, I think they can relate to this, but as soon as they're 
some people, as soon as they get their black belt, see you later. Mm. Adrian, mm. I did it. Yeah. You know? I noticed that oh. when I was training in Boston, too, some people never show up after getting for Shodan. I've yeah. always, you know, I've always wondered, but there's no answer to it. So I just stopped asking question, that question. Yeah. But <laughs> Exactly. I guess it doesn't matter, right? So I mean, what yeah. I what I consider is, um, you know, Shodan is like a, a elementary, graduating elementary school in my sense. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, the basics. Mm-hmm. You can go out into society after graduating elementary school. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. subtraction and addition, right? All yeah. you need is multiplication and subtraction uh, and addition to live. Um, <laughs> Seriously, but but I but love then, this analogy. It's a great analogy. But then, then realistically, you probably want to go to junior high and high school as well. Yes, of course. <laughs> Same thing. I, I think applies to karate as well. You want nidan sandan level to be able to really speak for karate technique wise. I think. Yeah. Um. So up to sandan is about high school level. I think. It, yeah. That's just my interpretation. When I look at myself, I'm not applying it to others. Don't take me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so masters and PhD levels, you need to be like yondan, godan, godan, lokudan at least, right? So high ranking in, in Japan is, you know, understood above godan. Yeah, yeah. Kodan, kodansha. Yeah. So that's when you are starting to be expected to understand the realm of the part yeah. of shuhari. Like if 100%. you're godan, rokudan, you have to have at least the fundamental level yeah. of being able, able to pursue your own research mm-hmm. for, for the for the re part. Do you... Do you think it's important for someone going for fourth or fifth dan to know the techniques in Japanese, the name of the techniques in Japanese, or is that not important? Um, it's a good question, I think. Um, that's another thing I have trouble when I try to be interpreted at the Hombu Dojo. Yeah. Some of the words are just impossible to translate into English. We'll talk about all the basic terms, like uh, like a technique, pure technique. So like gedanbarai, oizuki, ageuke gyaguzuki, or the names of the kata techniques, like morotezuki, kosadachi. I mean, those things, if you train long enough, it's naturally, I, in my sense, it's hopefully it goes through by Japanese. But even with the English terms, it really doesn't make any difference, I think. So if you saw a in the Dan beginning, exam, especially uh, oh, in the beginning, especially. Yeah, we're talking, we're talking, I'm talking fourth, fifth Dan. Mm. So like people who are going for like fourth or fifth Dan, should they know the techniques in Japanese I language? I think, I think, yes, the answer yeah. is because this is an interesting thing when I was um, interpreting in, 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 at the Hombu Dojo. So I was trying to translate the word tsuki, right? Or the... the <laughs> oh, my uns- God. Unsoku. Okay, well, that's... Unsoku is a little bit more complicated. Right, but but then I translated as punch or the foot footwork or the yeah. footsteps. 
Yeah. Right. And footwork, you could hear it even even if you don't speak English. The sensei could hear it, right? And yeah. sensei, I'm not going to name him, but instantly said, no, that's not the word. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously the concept of unsoku and footwork or step work is different, right? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm talking bare bones technique names, though. But, but okay. Yeah, like, like not, not, I guess. yeah. And like chushin, chushin, that wouldn't apply. Or johanshin, kahanshin, like that wouldn't apply. I'm talking pure like ageuke, sotouke, uchiuke. Like people should know that, no? When they're fourth or fifth dan. In, in, in Japanese. Yeah, because like I've been, I, I, I so. saw, yeah, I saw a dan exam and, and the examiner was telling people, these are people going for fourth or fifth dan. Okay, step forward, sambonzuki. And they were looking at each other. They didn't even know what they were supposed to do. It's like sambonzuki is a very fundamental technique. Like you, you should know that in Japanese, no? But that's that's again, my interpretation. Is, that's my well, opinion. I mean, I, I get that, but it's just another. You remember when you were talking uh, with Ryu about ramen? Yeah. Of really discovering what real ramen is. Yeah. Um. So it's all about what you expect from yondan godan. And how the organization defines what yondan or godan. Certainly, in JKA sense, if you're trying for yondan or godan, there's no way you cannot learn those simple Japanese words and get to that level. Well, what's the point of going to that level, right? I mean, technically, a third dan level is is the pinnacle of of being a black belt, in my opinion, in terms of physical ability. In terms mm. of your physical output, third dan is the optimal level. After that, it's more of, of a knowledge-based system, in my opinion, where, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh dan, especially when you're fourth or fifth, like you, you should start knowing how to count katas. You should know, actually. I'm not, no, actually. I mean, even I before that, I think. Yeah, 100%. But, but I've seen like some, some six degrees who had issues counting MP. Mm. Right. So, I mean, it's like, what's the point of even reaching those levels? Should almost be like a, like a hardcore written exam or whatever, you know, mm. <laughs> or they have to write that, that happens. Believe it or not, that happens in Japan too. So it's <laughs> almost about individuals learning karate and what their stance is about. Yeah. Did so you have, again, uh, uh, go, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I inter. Sorry, the Zoom Zoom call has like that little delay there. Oh, okay. No, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, so again, it's it's the same as the ramen episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to know, if you really want to know about ramen, you have to at least, you know, pay a visit to Japan and taste the real ramen. In Japan. I wouldn't say real. It's the original, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> original version of ramen, if you will. <laughs> Well, what is original to you? What type of I mean, ramen? original in the sense that it came out from yeah. there. But like, because like, if you ask my dad, shoyu ramen to him is like real ramen, not like tonkotsu or anything like that. We're kind of okay. going on a tangent. Here, I see. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. That depends on where you're from too. So <laughs> say, the, say the 
you know, controversy okay. and struggle within Japan. <laughs> yeah. Well, where would you recommend really people going? Japan. Where's your go-to ramen shop? Where? Yeah. Um, the one really close to my place is Ichiran. Oh, you're an Ichiran guy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's tonkotsu <laughs> oh you're ichiran guy you like your refills <laughs> no i like that thin noodle with okay. the tonkotsu taste Ooh. so for that matter ipudo is good too oh ipudo yeah mm. <laughs> this is a controversial topic but uh you know nah, man <laughs> preference here <laughs> so you're oh, the show you guy huh you know what I find tonkutsu a little bit too heavy. I love the taste nah. though. Like the taste is just amazing though. But it's it's one of those mm, things. Mm. It's like fish and chips. You know, I like the taste of it, but as soon as I eat a whole thing, I'm like, uh, you know, don't feel mm. good. I How just had a tan tan man this for, for my lunch today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Another different original ramen or not. Oh. You throw in Chinese version. Oh, well, isn't like ramen like Chinese noodle? I mean, speaking of originality, it's originally from China. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> well, are, are you are you good with time right now? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, because actually, totally um, can you believe? I think we're like an hour and a half in already. I can go on forever. Yeah, me too. Night. Yeah, that's why I was like, you know, I was just curious. And might... it's been a while talking to you, so I'm totally enjoying the conversation. Yeah. But well, I want to I want to finish up about talking about makiwaras. Okay, I'm curious. Like, why do you think that makiwara training isn't implemented in terms of daily training within the class itself? It... Well, that's because something that you have to do on your own, mm. wouldn't it? It's not something that instructors can teach. It's through what you acquire from instru- being taught and trying to apply it on your own to see if that, how that works on your body. So it's an individual private act, I guess activity if you will well because you know (laughs) one of the the reason i'm asking this is because most people when they go to the dojo and they train for an hour Mm. that's their training right most people it's very rare that they will do something on their own afterwards karate related so as a result some people they've never actually hit an object so they don't really know if they're making a proper fist or if they're kicking with the right part of their foot. That's why I'm kind of, you know, when we're talking about quality of training time, make, like you're actually acquiring a, a practical skill. Do you think that pad training or, or makiwara training as a part of the one hour class, isn't that kind of essential? I mean, if you can inter- integrate it into the class as a, as a class activity, I, I don't think there's anything wrong to it. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, it's often the case with Tanyama sensei, he makes us stand in front of the sandbag to make a maigeri, mm. right? And after kicking the maigeri, you have to 
keep the sandbag constantly on the same angle so that you're kicking with the, the impact that you're expected to kick, which is obviously tremendously difficult. If you're snapping back, but at the same time, you're kicking at the same timing, right timing with the adequate amount of force to maintain the sandbag in in certain angle. You see what I'm saying? So like when you kick it, that it doesn't move back? It just maintains its position? Right, right. Wow. Or, or like just doing the shuto uke on the sandbag really teaches whether you're doing it strong enough or not, mm. right? And you don't realize that until you really do it on certain object or human yeah. if you can. But on regular, based on regular people, it's just not adequate to experiment it on human beings. So therefore you have yeah. to use either makiwara or sandbag. 100%. Like I, I, um, I mean, obviously because of COVID, it's a bit harder, but I, I try to integrate some type of uh, target practice where they're hitting an object because it's the only way, because you can tell them make a proper fist, kick with the ball of your foot. But the only way some people will learn is if they <laughs> they kick with the wrong part of their foot on an object and then they realize, oh my God, like that's what you were trying to tell me. Sometimes exactly. like that's the best teacher. And and honestly, I, I do think that most instructors should integrate it as a part mm. of their regular training. Mm. Just because of like most people, you know, outside of training are not going to to dedicate themselves to the Makiwara, which is why I, I really commend you for, for doing that. Cause it's like, so you, you do spend quite a bit of time after class, right? Hitting the Makiwara. Or, or before the class. Um, it's been, it's become really hard after the COVID um, because you were free to use third floor when nobody is using it mm -hmm. before the COVID, right? So you can punch Makiwara anytime you want it after the class, basically. Mm how as long as you can mm -hmm. but the rule has been changed um strikingly after the covid um in the morning after the class it ends at 11 30 right you have to be out by 12 which gives you only 30 minutes mm. after the class but depending on the instructor you have to get out instantly so mm. some instructors allow you to do something, you know, after the class, which really allows, you know, leaves you to punch Makiwara before the class. Mm. But because of the COVID, you're only allowed to enter the building be half an hour before the class begins. Mm. I see. So unless you have Makiwara at home, mm. it really gives you limited time. Do you, so do you, how do you get your own Makiwara? Like the straw? Uh, I don't, I have my own Makiwara pad, but I use uh, the, the wooden board uh, at the home booth. So. so like if you wanted to get a straw one, like where would you get a straw one? Yeah, I don't have the uh, straw ones personally. Oh, okay, okay. You either have to make it Oh man! Or it's not so hard to make, is what I hear. I've never done it. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably time-consuming, but 
It is a bit of a pain in the butt though to readjust all the time though. No, uh, well, cause I, I have a straw one and, and that's what I use. But, uh, and the, the reason I like it is that funny enough, it hurts less than the pad Mm. padded ones. (laughs) I I don't (laughs) know. If you hit it right. Yeah. Well, part of the reason I do Makiwara is you I don't know if you, even if you're do, not doing it right or wrong, you know, um, you're getting that pain out of it. So you're, you're sensing something out of what you spend your time. Yeah. You want to you see what I'm saying? So I'm not masochist, so oh, I could be, but I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> Enjoying yeah. the pain itself. But my point <laughs> being is that through that scar and pain, Mm. You can visually see what you've been doing, right? Mm. And if that pain or the scar really gets wrong, you're doing it wrong way. Mm. <laughs> and and quite interestingly, if you're not if you're doing it wrong, if you're doing it right, you don't get that much pain or the scar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm checking is, my is, hands right now. <laughs> <laughs> is what I find. But physically, you have to beat it to make it strong, too. That's true, I think. Yeah. Well, to it, make callus and, you know, give, you know, make a little bit of fracture on your knuckle and just like strengthening your muscle, right? You have to break it first. Yeah. I mean, definitely, <clears throat> definitely just target practice in general, I think is essential for anybody who's striking uh, in a martial art, just because you you need to know what your power output is, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you're punching the air, you don't know how powerful your punch is. You might be really fast, but you don't, you may not have your mass behind the punch. And if you're a small and light person, you may feel very strong, but because you don't have, mass you you may not have as much potential power so if you're hitting a target you have a good accurate measure of what your power output is so you're not going to be surprised by the effectiveness of your technique right I, that's kind of the the practical aspect of of makiwara or or pad training to me but i mean there is definitely I think you're touching a lot on the the spirit. There's a, there is a spiritual dimension to this though, isn't mm-hmm. there? Cause it's like, you're just hitting the target over and over again. And there's something about it. That's meditative, right? Meditative. Isn't it? True. The noise of it, the sound that it makes when you hit the makiwara, it's just something addictive. Yeah. Isn't exactly. it? Yeah. And also I consider it something that I, I mean, it's just, out of question, it's just something that I have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, your senses has been doing it. As a student, why shouldn't you? Right? Yeah. Like, if you're better than your senses, you probably don't have to. <laughs> but yeah. at Hombu, you know, all senses from the morning, they bang Makiwara. Right? They start a day off through banging Makiwara. And that's the that's how they start the day. And it's just my mentality is as a student, it's just how you have to start the training. 
So if you go to the Hombu mm. and you see a straw makiwara there, mm. you recommend people not to touch it, right? Uh, no. <laughs> Some do, surprisingly. I mean, first of all, bring your own. Bloody. <laughs> Yeah, it's all bloody. Why would you want to touch someone else's blood? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, funny enough, I had no idea going to Japan that a makiwara was a portable thing. Mm. I-, I thought, you know, it was just there and you share it. But actually, it's just the wooden board is what people share. But you have to bring your own head, whether it's so- like a padded one or a straw one. You probably know Okuma-sensei is a makiwara addict, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so wherever he goes worldwide, he brings his portable makiwara. Oh, he's he got a portable one. So even if he doesn't have so even if he doesn't have a wooden board to stick it, he does it somewhere, you know, putting on the ground or something, wow. and he does the makiwara training. You know, if the hombu wants to make money, they should start making makiwaras and sell them. <laughs> I had this guy. I had this guy from Russia. Yeah, I was like hitting a straw makiwara, and he's like, "How uh-huh. much?" I says, okay. "I I can't give this one. It was like a gift from like Shina Sensei. I, I can't give this Bro, one. Sorry." Okay. And and right. I and I go downstairs and I'm like to ask some of the instructors how much are are these going to sell for? They're like, we don't sell them. They're not for sale. Mm. And this guy was willing to pay like 80 bucks for a straw makiwara. <laughs> I'm like, dude, start a business. What's going on here? <laughs> you know, we don't have rice straw in Canada, you know? No. Okay. No one, no one's going to want to buy like a Canadian makiwara. Right. But I mean, if you're, well, in you never know if you have the, if you find the right one, they can sell, like you can easily sell, a straw makiwara for like 30 to 50 bucks in Japan. They should do that. Mm. Business idea. Mm. I'll all. keep that in mind. Yeah, you should you should be like a financial advisor. <laughs> Same with the JK passports. Everybody should have one. It's passive income. <laughs> JK passport? Mm. It doesn't everybody have one? Even if you're well, you know what? No, actually, no. Like a lot of local dojos, uh, most even if you're JK affiliation, only if you're shodan. They don't. They don't hand them out to color belts, right? Right, right. But can you imagine, like, if every local dojo, that's what they use, like, to stamp whenever because people do their own thing, right? They'll have like certificates. Oh, you got your fifth cue. They'll just give you a Mm -hmm. certificate. Right. But imagine if all color belts all over the world, they had a passport and they had to renew it every five years. (laughs) And you don't even need to have seminars to make money. How many thousands of JK members are there in the world? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, well, just an idea. Yeah. You've, um, you've broken those two like one inch thick boards, haven't you? Yes. I, was, I saw one on your Instagram page. Yes. And I'm trying to, to try for the three this year. Oh my of... God. So you broke, so two one inch thick boards, like what kind of wood is it? It's a regular wood, wood that, that, that people use for karate or any other pudo trying to break 
a breaking board. It's nothing special. Well, two one inch thick is is pretty pretty heavy. Like uh, I've seen people mess that up <laughs> big time. Well, when I first saw it, I thought it was impossible. So I was like, I, did I really say breaking two? So I was like, oh no, I'm not gonna do this. Yeah. But then you're in front of Osaka Sensei, right? And like, your pride is at stake, right? <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> you don't want to walk away from it after saying that you're gonna do it. So. Yeah. But I think the Datsuryoku was really important. I was tensed up before doing it, but then I made my made up my mind. I said, "I said, oh, fine, I'll just do it." Mm. And then that took the tension away, I think. Mm. So at the moment when I broke it, it wasn't anything. I, it was, I don't know how to put this in word, but it wasn't anything, you know, I didn't feel strong impact or anything. It just went through. Mm. So well, Yeah, it definitely like, you know, breaking boards has for some people like, uh, oh, it's not that hard, but but there is like this type of wood that you get in Japan. That's like one inch thick. It's actually really hard. I, I don't know what type of wood they use, but it's for you to break one requires, you know, decent it's, it's doable, but two and three, especially three. Oh my God. Like that's really hard to do. And like, we had a demo here in Canada one time. It was just, this was a while ago. Mm. And, and this guy, <laughs> He couldn't break the he couldn't break it in front of the whole like crowd. It was at a the museum, right? Mm. But like, so why 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 do you want to do three? Like, what drives you for that? Well, one reason is that I broke it, but I broke two last year, so I just want to <laughs> add one other one on top of it. And the other thing is, as you mentioned, it's the graduation qualification for the Kenshusei, right? For yeah. being able to break three. Yeah. So it's just akogare, if you will. Yeah. I don't know what the word is in English, akogare. I don't know either. <laughs> just I don't even feel. know what it means in Japanese. <laughs> it's something that if I attain, I know that I'm not going to attain anything that's close to what Kenshusei has attained, but I, at least I've covered one element and mm. I may be inch close to what they do. Mm. The training is all about that for me. It's like, I want to get closer to the senses that I love. I care. I just want to do what they can do. Mm. You know, what they teach. I want to, it's, it's purely at, by the end of the day, it's purely for yourself, mm. but Sensei has been paying so much attention to you, trying to deliver, you know, and you want to respond to it. Mm -hmm. You may not be able to do it to the level that they do, mm. but by the end, by the time I die, I'm inch closer. Mm -hmm. I think basically that's the, the motivation for me to, to, to train in regular base. I mean, mm -hmm. there's no end to it, but you're, you need to keep on push yourself to, Get mm -hmm. closer and closer although you may not reach to the same level mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um well it's 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 a it's an interesting anything you do really 
the pursuit of perfection is, is it could be a driving force, right? Mm. In anything that you do. So that's part of the reason and mm. answer to the question that you raised, yeah. why three? Because <laughs> I would never try. <laughs> I no. would never even bother trying three. That's, that's uh, you know, oh my God. Because I've seen like, you know, some people break their knuckles, right? From doing that. Yeah. But I mean, hey, yeah. you know what? Like you said, it's all in your mindset. Mm. I'm just, uh, you know. Maybe yeah, and I, I've seen people break with the two too, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yo. yeah. So it's not like I want to break my knuckles, but <laughs> yeah. But uh, but again, it's just the the only way you can understand your limit too. I mean, if you can't break it on that moment, you break your knuckle, then you can quit. But then again, you can try to do it in different occasion. Mm-hmm. But that's that's just another process of trying to get closer and trying to perfect yourself, I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, the key is not to stop training, right? Not to stop doing anything. And it's hard to, it's easy to, to stop. And then one day becomes a week, becomes a month and then becomes a year and multiple years without training. Right. It's, it's easy for it to, to have a yeah, I mean, effect, right? I think that's precisely correct. Whatever the difficulty of technique-wise that we faced in karate, um, the biggest difficulty is is continuing what you did, the training. I think mm-hmm. it seems easiest, but that's the hardest. I think mm-hmm. to constantly continue training despite the fact that you have other things in your life, you know, of what you need to do. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think karate, what it brings is, is it's, it's a, it's something, it's a tool and it's difficult. And because it's difficult, you can build friendships with the people that you train with. Mm -hmm. And I think it just does wonders on, on mental health physical health, social health, spiritual, it just covers, it ticks all the boxes to me. And I think that, um, that in itself is the biggest value of karate, right? Yeah. I mean, to myself, at least I, and personally, I don't think it needs to be karate for everyone. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's just I mean, any tool, any tool yeah. that resonates with you that can bring out all that. But having that tool or not makes the difference in your life is what I see, how I look at it. Mm-hmm. Have there been other tools prior to karate for you? Or was I mean, karate- obviously, obviously, academic research is one tool for me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I can't think of my life without. Mm-hmm. But also karate is something that I can't even imagine my life, you know, 50 years, 60 years if I have it, you know. But it's, it's, um, you know, it's hard to find something that's also physical, right? Because, I mean, if your career or even academia, it's, it's not necessarily physical, right? I mean, sometimes mm. you need that, that dimension too, right, to some extent for you to have like an overall healthy body. 
Well, again, but healthy body, yes, that's the basic element you need to have. But it, I like the episode of Kanazawa Sensei. Mm-hmm. Um, when he was competing in the tournament, um, he broke his arm and he was really down about it. And he was like, he didn't even want to compete, is what I read. And his mom came up to him and said, Use your legs. <laughs> wow. And. <laughs> I don't know. Awesome. I may be reading it wrong, but that's at least what's in my uh, memory. And it's it's what's fascinating about karate is not you and me. You have to be able to be you have to be healthy to be able to do it. But depending on your condition, yeah. I, if your arm is broken, you can train your legs. If your legs are not, then your arms. Yeah. It's about your mentality of how far you want to push. Mm-hmm. So well, it's not about your sex, gender, or it's not about your age. It's not about how you know talented you are. Mm-hmm. Again, as I said, the continuity is the hardest. the The only talent I think required in karate training is whether you can continue or not. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean who mama? Who who am I to speak? But that's no, no, you know, I, I, I take it. No, I agree. And I think, quite I frankly, I think that's how it connects to Budo. Mm-hmm. Um, some have defined Budo as finding it as a uh, how you die, but it's really about how you live mm-hmm. through the recognition of death. Mm-hmm. So, for being able to do that, you have to continue your training mm-hmm. to really enrich your life. Wow. Well, I think that's a great way to to wrap it up, actually. Well, thank you very yeah. much. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate thank you. your time. No, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Awesome.